0: So with Douglas Allen Cunningham Highway is the short film played at the action adventure film festival kind of a road movie and conflict occurs you were referencing in the in the blog interview that I thought of duel uh, when I saw this movie Spielberg's duel uh, no country for old men lone star those kind of those kind of movies uh breakdown uh, which I saw at the theater when I think I was 20 years old I remember that yeah, film. Same. So I guess you were inspired by these type of road movies, uh, with the with the highway short with the highway short film, I guess, correct?
1: Yeah, particularly these uh, kind of neo-noir uh western uh kinds of uh highway movies, you know, yeah. that take place in the American uh West or Southwest. There's just something really fascinating um about them. Um, like uh Orange Shays, Uh The Frontier, which is another uh film that I mentioned in that. Um, that uh, blog interview. So, yeah, I I really wanted, you know, I really wanted to create something that had that flavor to it. Um, And I really wanted to evoke um, the visuals of uh, Paris, Texas as much as I could, Um, you know, even though the the storyline isn't, you know, very much the same.
0: So this person, this character that you have in the film, she's basically betrayed by her husband. So she drives... To meet uh, her lover, and then basically, uh, menacing truck is uh, is her antagonist, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, and that's what uh, you know. That's very much what happens in Spielberg's Duel. Of course, this uh, goes in a very different direction. Um, you know, one that you know encounters violence, but isn't resolved by violence. Um, and uh, you know, I I really. I really um like the idea of you know the sort of sort of describing the film as kind of mad max meets paris texas meets telman louise which is is (laughs) you know often what i uh you know would uh, reference when i was talking about it with investors and other other people so this
0: is like a proof of concept then like do you have a bigger is this the bigger story here
1: Well, I wouldn't say no to a $5 million uh, gift to make a feature version, but uh, no, this is, um, you know, this is intended as a one shot, uh, you know, something that uh, could be, you know, experienced very quickly, but feel like it had a kind of um, emotional epicness to it, I guess, um, is, is kind of what I was aiming for.
0: Did you shoot, like, the, there's lots of car interior car scenes. Did you shoot most of it like, on location? Like, what was the, how did you guys, obviously you got the exterior shots of the, especially during the day, you're in a certain highway, then you have the night shots. Where did you, where was that like, kind of shooting locations?
1: Well, you know, it's it's really uh, just about um, 20 miles from my house. You know, outside my window, I can see um, the highway that actually leads to our shooting location it's blocked by some of the mountains that you see in the, in the, uh, establishing shots. But, um, basically, uh, you know, if I go out and get on the the main road, um, that, uh, you know, comes out of our, um, neighborhood, I just, if I just follow that for about, uh, 30 minutes, I'm at the filming location. Um, and it's West of, I guess you could say it's West of, uh, Provo, and Orem, Utah. Um, it looks like it's, you know, in the middle of nowhere, um, but civilization is too far away. <laughs> but uh, uh, out there, it is, it's pretty um, barren, but also very beautiful in its own way. And, um, you know, we had a great time shooting out there, although it was hard at night. You know, my biggest fear was that, you know, like some cops would come over and see us you know pointing guns at people and yeah. beating each other up and you know <laughs> um but uh, thankfully that didn't happen
0: so how did you do the the night sh- night sequences like in terms of like you you got to make sure that it's dark enough that the audience think that this is dark but at the same time light enough that we actually had to see something <laughs> something and see the, yeah. the the sequences and the fight scenes and everything like that
1: yeah well you know um just between uh, Mario Angeles, my uh dp and uh, the gaffer um you know they were able to uh light it for moonlight i i guess um in a way that made it still visible but you know still very much a sense of sort of being cloaked in darkness in fact when i got the uh you know um the shots back i mean i i was afraid they would look too dark but um you know i got i got used to it and uh you know, to me, it seemed like it works. Um, It kind of has, to my mind, which is something I was kind of going for, a kind of 70s way, 70s television way of dealing with um, nighttime. And, uh, you know, in that regard, um, it looks a little bit, I don't know. I mean, it's a clear image, but it still looks a little little grainy somehow. Um, And that... know was very much part of those dual vibes and the vibes of some of these other kind of neo-noir homages like the frontier um, that served as uh, inspirations
0: gotcha so what like you like in terms of the short film uh, world you did a a previous film and what was your what, what like what were your what was your motivation to make this film in particular just to show that you can make this kind of new noir kind of film or I was just was curious like what like what what kind of like spoke to you to write the script and kind of put the money into make this film
1: well I uh, I'd always been a big fan of this uh this genre um and my last film listen Darkly, um had been much more of a kind of romantic uh drama think piece um that um, I think, I think, uh, you know, aimed for aimed for the stands, um, but kind of uh, at the same time, still uh, kind of went over people's heads. Um, there was something that I there was something that I didn't connect um, in that previous film, and so I'd always wanted to make another one, but I was always uh, kind of afraid to dive in again because I, I didn't want to. I, I mean, I don't consider the other film to be a failure. Um, but I, I didn't want other people to think that, you know, this next film didn't work for them. I mean, the, the previous film works for me, um, but, you know, I mean, it, it was done very much to my taste without um, taking the audience, um, you know, very much into consideration. So, this, in, in this particular one, I, I wanted to make something that was much more accessible. Um, but I still wanted to do it with, with style. Um, and that style, you know, rested largely upon, you know, things that I really like, which, you know, are things like, um, you know, the characters, uh, don't speak, you know, for a long time into the picture. Uh, you know, I really like, I really like cool cars. Um, I really like, (laughs) um, you know, the desert, uh, you know, so just kind of all these things coming together, but what really, Solidified it all for me was was Lindsay, our lead actress, Lindsay Hawkes, who's uh, I don't know. I mean, she just kind of she had just a very particular look, uh, as I said in the blog interview, um, one that is you know tough and uh, physical, but also very vulnerable as well. She has this this look and this range um, that I, I felt like she just hadn't. Um, been appreciated for yet. And so, um, I thought, how can I bring all of these together, um, into one picture? Uh, and, uh, the result is, is what you see it's, it's highway. Um, you know, I, I took inspiration from a lot of the things I love and then, you know, her, you know, Lindsay's, you know, fantastic, uh, look. Uh, really, uh, also helped to inspire the story, um, and that was it. So you're
0: a professor at uh, B- BYU by BYU, correct?
1: Well, at a lot of places here in Utah. So I'm not a I'm not a tenure track professor. So I just okay. travel uh, to several different schools here in the couple of valleys that are Salt Lake Valley and um, Utah Valley, um, and. You know, so I teach at BYU, I teach at Utah Valley University, I teach at University of Utah. And, uh, you know, so I I bounce around. And so, and what, what do you teach? Well, I teach film classes. Uh, I don't teach production. I teach, you know, film history, um, you know, seminars uh, on directors or seminars on genres, one of which was film noir, you um, you know, but I also teach humanities. In fact, that's what I teach the most is sort of this, uh, these, uh, you know, humanities classes that are introductions to studying the humanities or studying humanities in a kind of survey uh, fashion. So that's mostly what I teach, um, even though the film classes are sort of my specialty.
0: And so you've written books too. You wrote the book about uh, the San Francisco's... uh... Like Hitchcock's Vertigo and kind of like where it was filmed, and you wrote uh, the the companion to the war war film uh, book as well, right?
1: Yeah, those are all edited volumes. So I I've written part of them, and then there are other you know gotcha. It's a they're essay collections. Um, yeah, so I have three essay collections. One of which is about Vertigo, the San Francisco of Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. It's called. Got to get that plug in there, and uh, and then I have another um, book about Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, that's also an essay collection called uh, Critical Insights, Alfred Hitchcock, and then The Wiley Companion to the War Film.
0: You could all buy um, this on, on Amazon.
1: Right. And the cheapest one is the, uh, <laughs> you know, they they make these for libraries, you know, so they, they sell them to libraries for like $150. And um, in some cases, you know, um, that's what the customers have to pay for as well. But the San Francisco book, of um, Alfred Hitchcock, that one is affordable.
0: Um, well, I guess it's, the, it's about supply and demand, right? The more prints, the, the cheaper it's going to be.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but it's yeah, it's uh, um, it's affordable. You know, I think it's about thirty dollars on Amazon.
0: So. Yeah, third thirty nine ninety. The 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 Vertigo film. The, the Vertigo Canadian book. Dollars. Yeah. <laughs> American, yeah. So as a uh, Canadian, it's around fifty bucks. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Still worth it, though. Well, I'd, I'd like to think so, but uh, anyway, it's 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 available. It's a no. <laughs> it's well, congratulations,
0: uh, right? You're oh, you award-winning filmmaker and you're you're a novelist. Not many people can say that.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm not a novelist yet. I'm 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 trying. And we'll gotcha. I,
0: I. So, are uh, you? Is, is there a book that you're writing right now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a treasure hunt thriller. Um, you know, kind of like a. Yeah, sort of like an Indiana Jones uh Dan oh, so it's Brown. A fiction book
0: so it's yeah. like a gotcha
1: yeah um so yeah that's you know that's something I'm aspiring to but we'll see what happens
0: well yeah so that's so, so you but you're you understand you're a film historian I guess
1: yeah I think that's that's how I would classify myself um sort of my um area of specialty is uh the World War II era plus 70s Cinema um, which is where, you know, the roots of this, um, of highway come from.
0: Like the post, um, but, like uh, post-World War II era films?
1: No, uh, World War II, uh, films. You oh, know, like, like uh, about uh, World You're know, like, you know, like, um, Casablanca and, uh, um, you know, uh, I'll try to, of course now I can't think of any names, uh, Air Force, uh, you know, Private propaganda Ryan? films. No uh, films made during World War II.
0: During that's okay. So basically, during World War II, which was a different era, right? They they basically was a kind of assembly line of filmmaking where, where they just like, okay, you're writing that, and then you're directing that. It was like it was a studio system.
1: Yeah, yeah, and all under the production code. Yeah, under the
0: production code, right?
1: Yeah, and um, you know, all under the auspices also of the uh, Office of War Information, basically the American. So, you know, I hate to call it a propaganda office, but that's kind of what it was.
0: Well, it was more about they wanted to to uh, to basically make sure that the the country was unified. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it it was very much, you know, very much about uh, trying to make films that, you know, would at least according to the Office of War information, tell the truth while at the same time raising morale and maintaining uh, that morale on the home front. I mean, that's who most of these films are made for. Um, And, you know, that effort, you know, was largely successful because, you know, Hollywood wanted to cooperate, you know, Um, and uh, they wanted to uh, contribute to the war effort. Um, And the way that they did it was by making these, really great films. You know, many of them have propagandistic qualities, but many of them uh, rise above that as well. Uh, Casablanca being, you know, a chief example. Um, And, you know, striking that balance between um, sort of propaganda, um, entertainment, uh, truth telling, and sincerity could be something that was very difficult. Um, But, you know, and, and they didn't always succeed, you know, um some of these movies are better than others Um, well
0: it's about staying the test of time i guess right like casablanca stands the test of time maybe the dick the great dictator stands the test of time maybe the other other ones were like where mom's got to take care of the kids but dad's off to uh to horror maybe it doesn't stand the test of time i don't know there's a few of them i've watched i can't remember the names but yeah
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's some that, you know, people can rattle off, you know, at the tip of their tongue. There's others that um, we're very much specific to the moment and don't sort of have these kind of universal staying powers, if you will.
0: Yeah, but sometimes like even Casablanca, they say it's the great luck film, right, where like they had like 20 writers kind of like. Moving the the script along, there was something that connected. Even the director didn't really know what they're doing. Bogart was like indifferent about the film after it was made. He thought it was just another one of his. He was making like three, four movies a year, right? Like it was just another one of those Uh movies that that didn't. But then there was something that something worked. Something made sense to 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 the audience, right? During this time, sacrificing country, sacrificing the right thing over love, I guess, right. Sorry, yeah, I just gave um, away the ending.
1: So Oh uh, well <laughs> We don't know who loves whom at the end, right? But I uh, yeah, I mean it's uh you know, I mean Kurt Michael Curtiz, the director is someone that had fled Europe um from Hungary to come here to the United States. Yeah. Um during the nineteen thirties. I think he was very much um aware of, you know, the stakes and knew how to what to emphasize in that film. Um so yeah, I mean it 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 was it was a luck a luck of the draw that you know this combination of people came together but they 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 sure worked um and uh, you know that happened on a few other pictures during World War II like Destination Tokyo um and some others um but uh you know didn't always work
0: yeah 100% so that's sort of your kind of that's sort of your kind of expertise I guess this this era
1: yeah, yeah. Um, Alfred Hitchcock being another one, and then like I say, nineteen seventies era um, cinema, new uh, American, new American cinema, um, kind of era as well.
0: Like the, like the when the they, they they it's a general statement, but when the directors kind of had more control than than the first time they had really had control, they were, became auteurs, I guess, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, there had always been certain select American sure. directors like John Ford and Hawks, and you know Hitchcock and so on. But but where directors were um, entrusted a bit more uh, to fulfill their visions, um, given that they were thought to be more in tune with the youth audience um, and the changing times that the crumbling studio system, you know, uh, wasn't. Um, and uh, as a result, people like Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas and um you know Arthur Penn and uh, Roman Polanski's uh, in Chinatown. And I know he's a, a problematic figure. Um, no, but Roman it's a great Polanski film, is, but, right? So, yeah. like,
0: he's a pedophile, but you know, he had, he had some issues. His his yeah. his wife was murdered. Pregnant wife is murdered, right mm-hmm. in his own home. Yeah. Like that's gonna fuck somebody up, right? So.
1: Yeah, I you know I don't know yeah. I don't know if that that predilection um uh, you know uh was caused by the Sharon Tate murder or not but uh, the bottom line is um, yes Chinatown is a, a a great film and an important movie um all the president's men uh you know the conversation uh, another francis ford coppola film um you know Steven Spielberg's duel or Oh yeah, taxi driver. Yeah, you know the ones. Um, just really important stuff, and that uh, that era is always fascinating. But Frank, I also well, love
0: Frankenheimer, right? The French Connection and Exorcist.
1: Uh, yeah, Friedkin.
0: Did I say Frankenheimer? Yeah, sorry, Friedkin.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. He just passed away couple months ago. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, Frankenheimer did do the sequel. He did the. the I the, think that's
0: where I got it. Yeah, yeah. French, French Connection too. Yeah. yeah.
1: I get those two mixed up all the time, which is funny because they're not really altogether similar. But uh, no,
0: it's just, it's just it's just the name, yeah. Freaking, who's a crazy nut job himself too, right? So, and
1: uh, yeah, he's a you ever see Sorcerer? Yeah, that's a big. Yeah. It was a huge bomb. Yeah, but a, a really, a really fantastic. At least in my opinion, a really fantastic movie. Just, yeah. A mind-blowing kind of kind of movie. I'm a big
0: Hal Hal Ashby fan. I think all his oh, films yeah. were like like Shampoo and you know like those like being there of course and mm-hmm. like there's there's, there's some these are just fantastic. Obviously Harold the Mod, some fantastic. He's a fantastic filmmaker. Oh, all, yeah. all like yeah. really rewatchable films like you can watch over and over again.
1: Oh yeah, I love uh, Hal Ashby as well.
0: The Last yeah, detail, yeah.
1: Mhm. All those uh, Robert Town scripts that were coming out in the '70s, yeah. and then of course Kubrick coming into his own in the late '60s and well, in the mid '60s, I guess '70s.
0: Yeah, like um, what do you call it? Obviously, two thousand and one. But I was I was thinking the other one. What do he do in nineteen seventy?
1: No, the a Clockwork Orange. Clockwork
0: and, uh, Orange. Yeah, um, get, that movie was uh, crazy.
1: Yeah, you know, Barry Linden and the same.
0: But if you look, if you look at the seventies, the seventies, it's like it's almost like music in a sense where there's brilliance and there's greatness and there's like things that will never be re redone. But there's a lot of bad stuff that people don't remember. It's like you look at the list of films that were like just pick a year, nineteen seventy four or whatever. Pick a year and watch and look at lists all the films that they made there's there's like five great films and there's like there's like 80 really films that nobody remembers or nobody like watches ever again it's mm-hmm. like it's like a real like great this it's like there's like no middle ground with the, the with that era
1: yeah i mean it's it's interesting um you know i listened to uh the video archives podcast the roger avery quentin turned you know um podcast but I you know they'll watch like forgotten movies from the seventies Yeah. To, to, to hear them talk about, uh, some of them with such, um, reverence, you know, um, is really interesting to me because there are a lot of movies that people just don't watch again. Um, but those are the ones that they kind of feature and it's, it's always interesting to me to, uh, listen to them, talk about them. Both that both of both of these people, uh, Avery and Tarantino, I mean, they're, they're both just such, uh, I don't know, exciting folks to listen to, to talk about movies. Um, and so, um, you know, I'm kind of learning about some other movies from the seventies that, yeah. uh, you know, are a little bit, you know, forgotten, but are very uh, interesting. Nevertheless.
0: Well, so uh, people don't know Roger Avery, um, Tarantino, obviously Tarantino, people know Tarantino, but they wrote uh Pulp Fiction together, I guess. Right. So. Right. They won an Oscar. Both of them won an Oscar for that for that film. And uh but basically the I read his book, his recent book about, about um almost like an autobiography about the seventies, like him going to the movies in the seventies, yeah. right?
1: I don't yeah, read of it. speculation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on it right now. Yeah.
0: You're so yeah. So basically I'm yeah, so I don't want to give it away, but there's some films that he talks about, right? That are like, why are you talking about this? Why are you talking about this film <laughs> for a whole chapter?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I've gone, I've gone and watched some of the films that they talk about, and some of them I, you know, some of them I, I really like, and some of them I'm like, eh, I'm not sure about this one, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a good way to, uh, you know, get exposed to new things, I guess.
0: Did you get to the? Did you read the Taxi Driver chapter yet?
1: No, I'm still on the chapter um I think uh I can't remember which chapter I'm on. It's it's in the first third. I can't remember which one. Okay. I think it's one of the uh Stephen McQueen chapters. Oh okay, um, yeah.
0: He loved McQueen, yeah. Yeah. The uh, the the one with Ali McGraw. The one with Allie McGraw. Uh, yeah, the getaway. Yeah, that's getaway, I, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. I I think um uh, I loved that movie even before I read the book. And just I um I don't know if I'd say I, I like Peckinpah, but I admire Peckinpah, and uh, I think that of his films, the one to me that's sort of um, the coolest, I guess, is probably the best way to say it is *The Getaway*.
0: Yeah. So the so basically, I would uh, I guess. Well, maybe we'll talk when you make your next film. Uh, <laughs> but he has a really interesting take on t- *Taxi Driver*. Uh, Tarantino. It's a really kind of blew my mind a little bit, whereas like because it's like he's he's talking from the context of him being a teenager in like in like he's going on these he's going to the movies he's like he's like sometimes he's even young right like watching these like really horrific films and he's like he's like 15 16 years old and it's like he's his mom's taking him on a date uh like his mom you know his mom's boyfriends are always taking him to these movies and stuff like that and it's like what kind of what what kind of shaped this guy's mind because he really is a I, listen i think he's a fantastic filmmaker i these one these his films are always like entertaining i can watch them over and over again and get something new but he he's stealing almost all of his shots are stolen from from shots from the 70s right so if you go mm-hmm. back go out to 70s the films it's like oh that tarantino did that like you know what i mean it's just like so obviously mm-hmm. he's like got this genius mind and he's just like taking all this information in right from his experience yeah, I mean- and like putting in his films
1: that's right. I mean, he's a master of pastiche, I mean, you know, I mean, when somebody asked me, what does it mean to be postmodern? I always say Tarantino, um, you know, because he, you know, draws on all these sources, things that had, you know, at their time been considered ephemeral, um, and, you know, puts them together into, um, something that seems like it's new and very exciting, right? you know? Um, in, in some ways, it's really no different from what George Lucas did with Star Wars, where it's a little bit of everything sort of, you know, brought together and put into a blender. And, you know, um, somebody hits, uh, you know, blend on high and it all spits out onto the ceiling. And, uh, you know, you look up uh, at the ceiling and it's this big mess and you say, oh, it's a masterpiece. It's something new. It's Star Wars, right, which draws on all of these pre-existing genres, these pre-existing shots and so on. Um, in that respect, Tarantino and, and Lucas are very much alike, uh, um, you know, with different source material, obviously, and, and different mm-hmm. ways of presenting the information, but they're both pastiche artists, at least, you know, in the sense that they draw on pre-existing popular culture material and pastiche it together and present it as something new, um, You know, and those are a couple of my heroes right there. You know, George Lucas, uh, Quentin Tarantino, but there's, you know, many others um, that I could name, John Carpenter and, you know, know, several others. But, uh, you know, I I mean, I think that there's an art to pastiche and, you know, it's hard to do something brand new. The difference is who can recognize what's ingenious enough to um, draw from and incorporate it into a new project that makes the source material uh, that you've drawn from seem new. Um, and that's that's what's exciting to me um, about um, Star Wars, the first Star Wars and Tarantino.
0: Yeah, it's like, I, in a lot of ways, it was, there was distance between like from Reservoir Dogs to the 70s exploitation films or all those movies. And uh, or like those kind of like crime kind of like he kind of comedically churns because that's his take on without giving too much away. his on Taxi Driver, where it's like he's looking at the committee. He's looking at things from a comedic lens. Right. And that's what he does with like especially with Pulp Fiction, where it's like he makes this really terrible, these terrible people, this terrible world, there's these murderers, blah, blah, blah. There's like obviously the rape scene. And He makes it comedic. He makes it with, with his lens, he makes it funny. So he's able to twist it around. Whereas like even Lucas, where like he took a, a dying genre and which is crazy to even think about now, right? Because of all the films of sci Fi, but mm-hmm. he took a dying genre and kind of twist made it cowboys in space. I'm like being I'm
1: generalizing, of course, but yeah, yeah.
0: He he saw yeah, the eagles, right. I guess, right?
1: Yeah, and he saw the times too, you know, yeah. the, the, the things that people were clamoring for in the wake of all the corruption and war and uh, disillusionment in the wake of um, assassinations and Watergate and all these things. Um, people wanted um, you know something much more clearly um, black and white in terms of moral standards, yeah. uh, and uh, he gave it to us uh, very literally. Um, you know, the other Star Wars films complicate that, um, quite a bit, especially the prequels. But uh, you know where you know the the line between good and evil isn't quite so drastic and clear as it is in the first one.
0: Well, they're making it. They're making it in today's world with like Tony Soprano and Walter White, whatever. Right? We don't. We don't want black and white characters. We want shades of gray. Right. So that's the new Star Wars films.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think that's true. And you know when we look at the sequel films with Ray, she's. Um, and i love this sequel by the way when we look at these you know uh, sequel films with ray uh, you know i mean we know she's the hero but she's you know she's also a little bit ambiguous in terms of um the way that she uh exercises the force. Of, you know i mean she's not it, with her character it's not all about are you good or are you evil it, it's much more at least to my mind it's much more about what's expedient in the moment and the questions of are you going to be drawn over to uh, the dark side, um, you know, are put aside in favor of questions about that were always present in the Star Wars films, questions about lineage and parentage and uh, family history um, and, you know, coming into your own. Um, All those, all those things uh, to me are really interesting the way that, uh, you know, this struggle between good and evil and in the, in the main character is sort of foisted onto the, the Kylo Ren character um, instead, um, who struggles with the opposite problem, being drawn to the light. Um, I don't know, it's just fascinating to me. I, I, I keep talking about Star Wars because I just finished teaching a class on Star Wars uh, oh, sure. this summer, and it was uh, just with three very brilliant students that... Um, we're very hard to keep up with actually so when you're
0: talk okay so you got a new generation of uh, of people right and I'm, I'm, I'm thank you for taking the time to do this because it's like we're it's a film podcast so it's we rarely really I know we're talking about highway but you're you you talk oh, no, about uh, so the question I have for you is that okay you you got a new generation of Star Wars got person like say say someone six 15 16 years old wants to get into Star Wars where do they start watching the film? What, where do they start watching the 77 one, his prequels in the 99? Or, or where do do you go start with this film with the Star Wars world?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I was part of the target audience for Star Wars when the first film was released in 1977. I was seven years old. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I would recommend people see it the way I the way I saw it, but of course, what else am I going to say? Right? Okay, no, because uh, a lot of
0: people would say that. A lot of people are saying, "No, you got to start with the prequels." Watch
1: yeah, the I mean, prequels, I don't.
0: And then, then you watch seventy seven film. That's the fourth film you watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think you can do that. That can be gratifying, but uh, you know, you can do that later. I mean, if you want to have the experience of seeing it the way that people of that generation saw, it and understand the experience of someone who had to, you know, see the sequel, see the original trilogy first, and then the prequels and the sequels, um, then, you know, I mean, that would be the way I I would do it. But, you know, um, I see value in uh, the other uh, way as well. You know. it, the chronological way, I mean.
0: So in terms of like your film story with we'll go back to highway, we sent you the audience to you. And uh, what did you think of what the audience had to say about your film from our festival?
1: Um, oh my gosh. It was, it was, it was everything I ever wanted, which is, you know, seven minutes of people saying nothing but good things about highway, which is, um, which is something I haven't uh, gotten yet. Uh, you know, I'm sure that, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they had a couple of other, you know, Um, things to say that were probably, you know, edited out or whatever, you know, but it, it was just a a thrill because, you know, I mean, when you're applying to uh, these film festivals, uh, you know how it is, you just get rejection after rejection, Um, you know, and I've been accepted, I've been accepted to some other things, but, um, but, uh, you know, to finally get some validation, even, you know, even though I wasn't, you know, present during the screening or whatever, to get some validation is really encouraging. I mean, I've um, shared that the link of that with um, a couple of people, and they've just raved about how great it is. And you know, we're so thankful about these kind comments about the acting and so on. And um, you know, I was uh, there was a, another festival that was willing to share the feedback of the uh, of the judges. I won't say which one, but um, and that. And you know, I wasn't accepted to that one, and that that experience of listening to their feedback, you know, or at least portions of their feedback, um, as it was sent via email, um, not listening but reading, uh, I was just so discouraging. I mean, it's just you know, people complaining about, um, you know, uh, things that you know I I can understand where they were coming from in the in most of them, um, but to you know, just to see people who were sincere and really had nice things to say. I mean, it, it made me, it made me want to cry. It really did. I, it was, it was really gratifying and and for that, I'll be forever thankful to you and uh, um, the other uh, members of your cohort there, uh, because that was a really great experience.
0: Well, thank Yeah. Thank you for your kind words, but it's like, a, yeah, it's a solid film. It's like, it's like, it's got that genre uh, element obviously to it and, if people like this genre and they're they just like like this film and it's like unpredictable too. You're not, you're not, you don't know what to expect. So in terms of the tone, like there's you're not giving anything away. You're just like it's like there, you're it's a thriller, Actually, it's a well executed thriller because we're wondering what's gonna happen next, and we're not there's no there's no false moments. That's the best thing I could say about your film. So
1: yeah, and I and I'll take it, you know, and I appreciate that. Uh it's uh it's hard you know as a beginning filmmaker it's it's hard to make everything come together um and uh it's easier wow. to
0: talk about the films than make the films right
1: oh yeah yeah <laughs> that's for sure I mean you know we just passed our anniversary of uh of the um wrapping up uh, principal photography a year ago and you know every day when I walk into my kitchen here I can see the mountains beyond which you know as I said you know is the filming location. and and just think, gosh, how did I even survive all of that? You know, I mean, it was just don't get me wrong, the people I worked with were great, but it was just a grueling night shoot for four nights, and then we had to come back and do some reshoots um a couple months later. Um but it was all worth it. You know, every every bit of it was worth it. And you know, this feedback video that you all provided was proof, you know, to me that it was worth it. Um and now we're getting some new sound, um, a new sound design and a couple of smaller edits to kind of clarify things. So I think it's uh, going to be even better in this uh, newer version.
0: That's fantastic. Well, I would know you're always easy to talk to, like our first ever conversation. But I talk about films are both like uh, you're a historian and uh, if you can check out your your books on uh your edited books on uh, on Amazon. And then maybe by the time people listen to this, you'll already have that uh, the, that uh, other ever, other novel published. And I uh, wish you the best of luck.
1: Well, thanks. And I, I can't say enough about um, the Action Adventure uh, Film Festival and what a great experience it's been for me and my cast and crew to be part of what you all, the good work that you all do.
0: I appreciate that. Well, best of luck with you. And let's talk again. And uh, go Utah.
1: Yeah, oh, thanks. Yeah, we'll see you later. One, two, three, four, five.